Welcome to Towards a Smarter World. This is your host, Cruz Saunders, and I'm pleased to be joined by a friend in the industry, Lisa Traeger. Lisa is an expert in omnichannel digital strategy and the effective use of content assets. Most recently, she had a role at Verizon involving creating customer-centric experiences in marketing and acquisition strategy. And as an independent consultant, she's led digital enterprise initiatives on the agency and client sides in telecom, healthcare, pharma, financial services, consumer goods, and government sectors. If that's not enough, in her spare time, she's interested in the intersection between content strategy and the art world. Welcome, Lisa. Hey, Cruz. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. Lisa, so glad you could join us today. You've uh, had a lot of experience in a lot of places within the industry, and I'm really curious, as you've seen content evolve over time, what has drawn you into the content world? What is it that keeps you interested and keeps you motivated in this busy and ever-changing space? Absolutely. I think the one thing in my career that is a continuum is storytelling. When I started, I was initially in television production, where I worked at the networks and at Channel 13 WNET. During that time, I also did a master's in media studies. And so although my career was very much on video and television, I got downsized in the industry in the early 90s. And at that time, my husband was a very early adopter to the internet and working in that sector. And I'm talking about like the early 90s. So when I got downsized, he said, oh, stop crying about television. The future is the internet, which was um, very true. So I pivoted my career. I found that I had a lot of transferable skills. And back in the day, I was able to do a certificate program at NJIT that was everything about that you had to know about working in the World Wide Web, as we called it, in a six-week course. This included HTML and graphics and firewalls and you name it, the entire kit and caboodle was there. So my first job in the industry was really as an information architect. And to me, that's what started laying the groundwork for, for an appreciation for structure and for dynamic content. Soon after, I was interviewing at Publicis, and this was around 2006, and the um, hiring manager turned to me and she said, you're really a content strategist. And I said, I am. And that really kick-started my career in this field. I really leaned into what that meant. And at that time, we were all kind of inventing it, but it definitely was the path that was right for me. The storytelling as a theme, it's really a very primal human baseline. Really, all these companies and organizations you've worked with at some level, they're telling stories and artists are yes. telling stories. There's a need to connect stories now through so many different channels. And, and that really kind of introduces the need for our, our storytelling approaches to evolve. And yeah, I'm curious kind of um, what you're seeing as the evolution of storytelling has, has evolved in the enterprise. What are you seeing that has been changing in the methodology of delivering corporate stories out to consumers? I think that more and more corporations are getting it, mainly because, as you mentioned, all the different channels. It's not just a one-way delivery as it was, let's say, in the 70s or 80s. It's two ways. 
So corporations today have to think about their brand and what they represent from a perspective of a two-way conversation. So they need to have a presence on everything from Instagram to Facebook to having their own stories and their own branded websites that relate to their consumers in terms of what they're interested in and what is their priority. We saw over the last two years with Black Lives Matter, the importance of social justice, the importance of all sorts of things that corporations, they never really had to own before. But over the last few years, these things have become front and center to consumers and their allegiance to what brands they will support is very much tied to what they stand for. And that evolution in the stories has been evolving, uh, that bi-directional nature, and then also the way that stories get collated and created and edited and moved through an enterprise um, has evolved as well. I'm curious what changes you've seen in the content practices, um, governance uh, around content and the systems that, that support and deliver content. Well, I'll tell you, I most recently worked in the marketing department of Verizon. And although the marketing was much more all about offers that we provide our customers in both Fios and, and the fixed wireless asset area of 5G Home, I think at its heart, it's about thinking of how to create content in a reusable, repeatable way. One of the issues that companies have today is how to support and sustain all this content. And with that is the problem of the level of effort. The more content that's created, the more GTS, the more managers, the more places to hold this content. And it just started to become something that was just so big to support that I often say sometimes change comes not because they want it, but because there's no other option. And I think that at Verizon and at many companies, things started to hit that pressure point where things had to change because there was no other option. So as a result, we start seeing companies moving into using content management system more, into creating various areas of the company to support consistency, having a content strategy department that ensures consistent nomenclature is used. Now, I was a very big advocate of that. And in my role, I very much socialized and try to make new areas understand the importance of consistency. And it can start in such a simple way of just, okay, let's all call it offers, rather than some areas calls it promos, some calls it promotions, some call it perks, some call it gifts. Well, what's the right word? So in fact, the content strategy group at Verizon, they took this on, but then it became a whole exercise in getting all these various groups to adopt that word. So it starts very simply. And I think that sometimes we overthink what does enabling structured content or content reuse, what does it entail? And in my mind, in my experience, the technology of supporting that is important, but I think it starts with the mindset. It starts with people understanding the benefits and in very small ways, pushing the needle in that direction. Benefits are tough to quantify sometimes. What methods have you seen that work for those conversations, helping folks to understand the quantified benefits of 
working with content that's um, more structured or even even really that just has some really good uh, content strategy and terminology management around it. Sure. You know, this might sound a little simple, but by creating a copy deck for the projects that I worked on made a world of difference. This one copy deck became the source of truth. Would it have been better to be able to put this into a content management system and structure it with a header and an intro and various elements? Of course. But being able to do that in a Google document so that various areas, regardless of whether it was sales that were promoting the offer or the redemption process that was enabling the customer to redeem the offer or even the systems that the customer reps go to so they could use the same nomenclature, they could use the same descriptions. That's something that I'm actually very proud of, that I was able to, in this one small matter, start getting, we could all use the same nomenclature, calls to action, imagery for one given offer across various lines of business. And it sounds really fundamental, but it really did lower the level of effort. When you think about all the different groups involved, before you had multiple people coming up with a tagline, multiple people coming up with what image to use. And sometimes these things were contradictory. Having one document that kind of locked it down of this is what we're going to use and also enabled much faster process getting legal review, getting partner review, because it was one document with one um, set of content. Yeah, it's amazing how simple interventions around governance and, and shared standards can really make a big difference for teams. The other thing, of course, is content structure. And we've talked in the past about initiatives uh, of different kinds in this area. And one of the projects we talked about really can be summed up with an organization that had a whole lot of unstructured content and mm -hmm. that needed to be able to get it out in a consistent way across multiple channels. So those are the patterns we work with day in and day out in our structure and semantics practices today. But it's really interesting to see how internally driven initiatives are solving content structural challenges in, in different ways, different creative ways. Yeah. Um, and, and if I may, I was actually brought into Verizon originally to solve their content problem in the area of support content. At the time, there were over 60,000 pages of what's known as KB or knowledge-based content. One of the first things that I was able to do, which made it a difference, was helping the wider team understand the importance of topic-specific content. So that rather than an FAQ document being a Wikipedia of everything on, let's say, a battery problem on your phone, let's limit it to very specific things. And that started to gain a little ground, shortening these FAQs, making them much more detailed on that given topic, started making a difference to all sorts of things, including search engine optimization. Having structured content is an integral element of SEO, right? So once we start implementing these things and using consistent nomenclature, using the right headers, you know, H tags in this. All of this kind of approach starts to lift all ships. Now, at the time, the organization, for a lot of reasons, wasn't ready to take a leap into the content management system and data and all of these nice things that we talk about. But these were incremental steps 
that led to the point where today, guess what? KB Content actually is using Ditta today. It was taken on by another organization within the company, but I'm happy to say that introducing these ideas early on over five years ago, I believe made a difference. Now, here's where things can go astray. Although knowledge-based content is in Ditta, the other part of their support content, which is more less technical support content, shall we say, is not in Ditta. And there's been great pushback against it. Why? I think that one of the things that organizations have to think about is, again, socialization, communication. Why is there pushback? Where are the difficulties? Having training to maybe address and simplify some of the pushback that comes with change. And what in our business, what we're talking about is change. And often that is very difficult for people who have been in roles for years and years to do things or see things differently. Yeah, seeing things and doing things differently is always hard in an enterprise. It's got some structures that, that everybody's attached to. And systemic change is challenging when everybody's trying to ship content out today, right? That there's promos to get out right away. There's a new website release that needs to come out, or we're replacing the CMS. So we, we see so many organizations driven around the individual quarter by quarter initiatives as opposed to the larger picture of being able to get content to work together across systems and platforms and interface levels. It's all tends to be narrow, ship the content ship the new system kind of thinking. And I'm curious, have you seen anything that gives you hope that it's possible to build systemic long-term practices into organizations that are dealing with quarter-by-quarter budgets and deadlines and busy docket of, of commitments? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big challenges, especially with large enterprises, is meeting stockholder needs for showing more more revenue and investing in something like content management and and structured systems is a long game, which a lot of companies are not willing to invest in. And when they are, oftentimes it's different silos that are behind it. So even though everyone may be moving in the direction of using AEM as a content management system, then we run into some issues where, oh, well, this org is using one instance and another org is using another instance. So guess what? They don't talk to each other. And as a result, even though they're moving in the right direction because there's a lack of coordination from a higher 10,000 foot level, it's not integrating So the benefits of being able to create once and publish everywhere across various channels and systems is lost. You also have very much a territorial approach where you could have certain teams kind of own this aspect of production. And as a result, there can often be some rigidity that prevents the actual benefit from blossoming. So one example is the idea of templates. One thing that I've witnessed is even though companies are starting to embrace the idea of content reuse, there can sometimes be rigidity in the way that an area creates a given template to use. And this often comes from the fact that they're not 
consulting with their stakeholders. They're not seeing the bigger picture of what various areas are going to need in terms of character count, in terms of imagery. So they say, okay, we're going to create a system through AEM where we can reuse content, but everybody has to use the same template and it only affords 45 characters and nope, you can't have a call to action because it's too big and it doesn't fit on on our tile, that kind of thing. So as a result, you have a situation where not all fit into the same shoe. So these kinds of things sometimes stand in the way of the longer objective. The objective is there, they get the idea of content reuse, but the rigidity is making it really difficult to apply. Yeah, rigidity. You know, on this topic, uh, content structure is tough in the enterprise because there's such an inherent distrust of structure. I mean, creators want to have a blank canvas, and I understand it, right? right. You want to be able to tell the story the way you want to tell it. And so here comes along a content strategist saying something about multi-channel, omni-channel, content structure. And it just sounds to me like I'm going to be put in a bunch of boxes. And it's hard for creativity to happen in a box. So how do you confront that issue um, in the enterprise? Um, Any guidance on that? I think that at the heart of the matter is the need for communication and due diligence at the start of the project to make sure that you have input by all of the stakeholders that will be part of the process of creating structure in the end result. We really need to have these systems. We, As I mentioned before, I don't think there's really any other choice with the amount of content that companies are creating. However, along with that, we have to have a new mindset and we have to start thinking outside of silos. What do I mean? Oftentimes, you could have new innovative technologies, but yet you're working with people who have been in the same roles for years and years that maybe they don't have the benefit of seeing the way other enterprises or other areas work. You also have the situation where many people actually are doing the role of a content strategist, but that's not their job title. So when you start telling them how to do their job, there can be tremendous pushback because they've been doing this for, you know, over 10 years. So who are you to come and tell me, oh, now you have to break up the content this way or that way to make it work. I think that socialization and being able to explain to people from a 10,000 foot level how it's going to work can make a difference. And in a siloed environment where you're only looking at your small, narrow piece, oftentimes that gets lost. Let me give you an example. We were very close to launching a project that enabled structured content, that enabled the use of AEM and a reuse strategy but it all fell apart when it came to data entry. Can you imagine? We had everything, a very complicated process worked out, except for the one political piece of who would do the actual data entry. Now, you might scratch your head as I did and say, well, how could that be? But it's because people, they have very, very narrowly defined roles often. And if you're asking them to do something outside of what their role is, then you're going to get into very big political territorial conversations. And that, you know, that's something that, that we have to all be aware of. 
we've seen that data entry problem be addressed by hiring big offshore teams. I mean, it, in some enterprises, there are I mean, literally hundreds of people in offshore copy-paste farms, you know, and they usually call themselves something like content operations or, <laughs> or publishing support or whatever, but it's essentially a, a data entry function, mm-hmm. especially in large AEM environments where there is no connection between the authoring and the actual, the actual versioned content right. assets that are in the engagement systems. Yeah, maybe that's a good thing. Sometimes it's much closer to home and it's onshore. And so it is very rigid that you can only input the data for ABC, not XYZ. And that requires VP level approval and intervention. So it's complicated. It really is. I think that everybody has good intentions. And I think that also there is a push pull in how much work people want to take on. So that's what kind of makes it a little bit more complicated in that we're all, to a certain extent, content strategists in our roles. The idea of creating content, at least in my experience, not only at Verizon, but but in farm companies, in agencies, it can be a very, very siloed environment. And pushing against that can lead to a lot of pushback. Yeah, sure. The change we've seen in organizations that has been most effective is cross-functional content teams that don't tax the individual silos core budgets too much, where they can basically be like assistance or helps to getting content published. And so they end up being uh, welcomed by the departments, but it's rare to find the sponsorship for that. It has to go upstream. So we're always having to sell higher and higher into the organization, working with our champions inside of enterprises to open those cross-functional conversations. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I mean, I've tried it both from the bottom-up approach and the top-down approach. And I'm convinced at this point to make real change, you really need to get a sponsor from as high up in the organization as you can. Yeah, I mean, we like the two world strategy where there's a director, senior director, or several kind of syndicated working together to make change because they see the systemic issues needing to be addressed. And then they have some really, really strong sea level connection that's basically providing air cover for the whole thing. Yeah. And my advice would be figure out technically how it's going to work, figure out the how and the when and the who should come after. Keep the politics out of it. Start with the, how's it gonna work? What systems are impacted? What needs to change? Where are the gaps? What yeah. is your time frame? And once you figure out that and have a really tight flow diagram and technical documentation, I think the who will do it will be much easier to answer. Oh, it's true. And and that we've seen these big change initiatives get sponsored where we've we built them. Um, these large scale kind of change management programs built around integrated content teams and standards across structure and semantics and, and the content orchestration model to help empower a, a content services organization that's cross-functional. So those are in place at a number of enterprises and rolling forward, which is great. It's just we've seen them get subsumed in a few places by big IT projects mm-hmm. that suck all the oxygen out of the room. 
for example, okay, we're going to roll out a new headless system. And so now everybody's energy is focused on headless and somehow all of the content structural standards, as obvious as it, they are to connect with the headless system, get, you know, it's possible for them to get left behind in the rush to lift and shift the content. And so for the change management folks, it's a real Sisyphean battle sometimes, you know, like you roll the, roll the rock up the hill and then it comes back down. We really want to see more of these initiatives get longer term commitments for true cross-functional integration. I think yeah. we're going to get there, but it is definitely an uphill battle. And I, you know, I, I wish I had better news in 2022 right. about it, but it's just, that's just the reality of what we've been encountering for the last couple of years. I'm curious about your thoughts on the likelihood of that dynamic shifting or what might help it. Uh, shift well, you know, you know I, th I think it goes back to what we were talking about before with the prioritization being on revenue and how the C-suite can report to stockholders. It's really hard to make systemic change. And it's really hard to do things that take long term to reach the finish line. So as a result, of course, they're using offshore teams. Of course, they're using approaches that are not ideal because the emphasis, at least in my experience, has been on the shinier objects that are going to realize a real an upward trend in the revenue side. I don't know if there's any way around that. Yeah. I mean, that begs us to get really, really specific about the top line impact of customer experience initiatives and, and really make it less about content. I mean, the longer I'm in the content industry, the less I think content is the actual object of what we're doing. I mean, the tendency for content to be downplayed comes from the very real objection that customer experience and campaigns out which which include outcomes and customer support and all of those kinds of dynamics are much more important than the content which is funny because all of those things depend on content i was going to say all of those things rely upon it <laughs> yeah the, everything relies upon the bedrock foundation of content but people aren't it's kind of like they want to talk about the house not the foundation you know yeah yeah and you know look i think that we've made real success over the years I've been in this business, at least people are starting to get the need for using a content management system. Hooray. Whether or not they're planning on that content management system, connecting their reps with their sales channel, with their website and this and that, well, that's a whole other question. And I think one of the problems is that Remember back in the day, there used to be a role and it was called a webmaster. I mean, it seems so arcane, right? Of course, yeah. <laughs> but it was the webmaster that really had the 10,000 foot view. That was their job to look at things like holistically. Who does that today? That's hysterical. I haven't thought about it in those terms, but you're absolutely right. I mean, in some organizations, there's a chief digital officer. Some organizations, there's chief customer experience officer. Everybody, though, seems to think of the website really as its own dynamic, and they're focusing on some sort of business outcome, not the holistic big picture right. of how yeah, content experience moves across. And if anything, if I were to leave anyone with a bit of advice, it's to, and here I am, I'm, I'm somewhat of a rebel, I must admit, 
even if your role is very narrow, take a step back. And even for your own self, take a look at what the customer experience is end to end. Even if you're only a little piece of it, have an intention and reach out to your colleagues to say, well, wait a minute, how does it look when they're coming into the, the sales flow? How does it look once they're actually in the website and they're having to get something serviced? How does it look from a customer rep perspective? Because it's only if we start broadening the view and looking at things end to end that we can start seeing the disconnects, which ultimately come down to customer experience and the content that is supporting it that can introduce a world of confusion and questions if we don't look at it from the perspective of the customer. Yes. So, you know, really, I think Starting and ending with customer experience as the object of what we're doing, I think will help. Then tying that to top line revenue helps. Organizing teams in an empowering way so that we're not handcuffing uh, creators, that we're empowering creators. And giving organizations a real feel for the interconnection between how the work that they're doing in an individual department or a campaign effort or individual silo really reverberates and can be and, and can be reused and impacted and, and leveraged across the enterprise so that they are empowered to think of their work in a way that shows them the impact that they're more holistically the that they're a bead in a necklace that a necklace will break without them but yet they are part of a whole. That's something that, again, I really pride myself that I just made sure that I had eyes on the end-to-end experience. I also think that managers and directors, they should actually try to go in and try to do tasks themselves and see where or how it may break. If you go into an app and it says, hey, you have a message, and then you click on it and there's nothing there, there's something broken, right? But it happens all the time. And it happens in all sorts of apps, in all sorts of brands. We need to start trying these things out, not just looking at our little piece, but again, standing back and trying out how to do this from a customer experience. Awesome. That's a great place to wrap our conversation. Obviously, there's a lot more we could (laughs) talk about across uh, your varied and interesting career inside of enterprise content. Uh, Thanks for sharing some of your insights and wisdom with our audience today, Lisa. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening in to Towards a Smarter World. And keep making steps in your enterprise towards coherent content sets, towards structural standards, introduce the concept of semantics tags, just at least shared vocabulary around words and how we use them, and start building a content orchestration model. Start getting real intentional about how content moves. And little by little, we're going to get the enterprise world of content and the larger world a little smarter one day at a time. Thanks, everybody. Have a good afternoon. This episode of Towards a Smarter World is brought to you by A, the Content Intelligence Service. Learn more about intelligent customer experience powered by content strategy, engineering, and operations at simpleA.com.